Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It's only just over a week now till Christmas Day. Only just over a week to Christmas Day. This is the crunch week. I don't know what you're like with your Christmas shopping and your Christmas preparations. Are you an 80% done as you sit here today? Or are you a 20% done and you've got so much more to do and it's going to be a hectic week? Well, we're all different, aren't we? Some of us plan ahead. Some of us like to do it in the moment and, uh, and to see how it goes. But either way, it is, a, it is a busy time, isn't it, Christmas? It's a hectic, hectic time. It can be, anyway, it can be a stressful time. Um, especially if you've got children, Christmas parties, concerts. I know there was a concert last night, not just for children, but for a number here who were singing as well. And uh, presents to buy for children, and presents to buy for children's friends, and all sorts of different things. It can be a bit of a, a crazy, busy time, pretty non-stop, actually. And you may be looking forward to it, or maybe feeling pretty exhausted before you've even got into the, the Christmas proper, as it were. Some people, they don't look forward to Christmas for a, a number of reasons. Some people find Christmas a bit of an ordeal. It can be a, a dark time for them. It can be a difficult time. It can be a time which reminds them of uh, bereavement. Uh, that at the table this year, there were, there's, a, there's an empty chair. Yeah, so it can be a distressing time and a difficult time for some people. And if that's you tonight, then our prayers go out to you. Our heart goes out to you. That God would fill that gap in your life. And I'm sure amongst us, there's a whole spectrum of emotions, a whole spectrum of, of, uh, of different sort of attitudes to Christmas and different feelings about Christmas as it were. And, and when you read the Christmas accounts, what's interesting is you see there's a whole spectrum of feelings and emotions in the key characters in the record of Christmas. Sometimes we have a romanticized view of what Christmas was like. But the, the, when, when you read Luke and Matthew and, and, and Mark as well, you can see that there's a whole spectrum of responses to the announcements, to what God was doing at Christmas time. And when we read these gospel accounts, you know, as we've read them tonight, Henry, thank you for reading the one in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke and so on. These are real people. They, they were born. They had an upbringing. They had minds. They had hearts. They had desires. They had dreams. They had plans. They were real people. They died at the end of their life. When you read these gospel accounts, it's not fiction. It's not make-believe. These are flesh and blood. They had hearts, they had feelings, they had emotions. They had a place in the community, or they were ostracized by the community. We can think, well, wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been part of these events that surround Christmas that we see in Luke here or in Matthew? Wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been engaged as it were, or to have been Mary or Joseph, or to have been the shepherds or the wise men. Well, actually, when you read those accounts, what you see is that their response to the angel, their response to the good news, wasn't positive. The shepherds, Joseph, Mary, it was not positive to start with. 
that were stressed out by the news. So what I want to do is to focus on their feelings to start with this afternoon. Focus on their feelings. And then we'll focus on their faith. Secondly, so the the title of the message is this. It's a Christ-focused Christmas. We'll look at four key people or people groups. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men. We'll just touch them briefly as we go through on this theme of feelings and faith. Because what we're working towards is a Christ-focused Christmas. So let's start with Mary. Let's focus on the feelings. When the angel appeared to Mary, we have this young woman who is excited. She's humble. She's engaged to Joseph. She's anticipating a marriage soon to this man that she loves. She has dreams of the future. She wonders one day if they'll have a home of their own with Joseph, a successful carpenter, and a baby, and a pitter-patter of tiny feet in their home. Is every woman engaged, and man too, look forward to the future, the building of their life and their future together? This is Mary with her faith in the God of Israel. Marriage is a good thing. Marriage is a blessing from God. She knows the Psalms. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the room is a reward. And she's yielded to God. She has faith in the God of Israel. But when the angel unexpectedly entered her father's home and spoke those words to her in verse 28, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. It tells us in verse 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Her first reaction was trouble. The Greek word for trouble here means perplexed. She was perplexed. She was anxious. She was troubled. She was completely shaken in her spirit. That's how she felt. Confused, troubled, worried. I think if an angel appeared to you or me as well, just out of nowhere, a complete surprise, I think we would probably feel the same. It's a natural reaction. And all she could think of were a thousand questions. And we, we, The writer here is Luke. He's recorded one of those questions, uh, which is, how, how, how shall this be? Verse 34, since I do not know a man. She's questioning what's happening. She's thinking of the implications. She's thinking... How can this possibly happen? This is impossible. I wasn't here this morning. David preached on this, I'm sure, and into the passage known the Magnificat. I'm just touching on it this afternoon. But how is Joseph going to react to this? What's going to become of their relationship? How am I going to phrase this to him? The wedding plans that we have, the thoughts we had of the future, are they just going to be torn in two and just tossed aside? Are our dreams going up in flames? Pregnant, without a relationship with a man, it's unheard of. What are the words you could possibly use to express the predicament that she's in? What about her family and friends? Will they be supportive? Will they, will they be with her? 
Or will they reject her? Maybe like Mary this afternoon, you've got anxieties, you've got troubles in your mind and in your heart. Some things come into your life and it's completely shaken you to the core. Something has really got a grip on you and you're troubled. And the future you thought you had seems to, as it were, be evaporating before your eyes. Your plans are going up in flames. You're racked with anxiety and you don't know what to do about it. You wonder what it's all about. Like Mary, you're confused, you're perplexed. Maybe you're new to these things. Maybe you don't know that much about the Bible and about Scripture, as it were, and and the gospel message. And, And when you think about life, you don't really know what you're on earth for. You don't really know what life is all about. You've got questions in your head. And you don't know about eternity and Jesus. And you don't know about what life is The whole purpose, it just seems painful. It just seems monotonous and hopeless. Mary was troubled by the news. Are you troubled in your spirit? There's something for you this afternoon as we move through this message. So we thought about Mary. Well, Mary's other half-to-be, Joseph, how does he react to the news? Well, Mary explains to Joseph that she's pregnant, that she's not been unfaithful to him, that she's still a virgin, and that God is the father of the baby. What is his reaction? Is it positive? Joseph was hurt. Joseph was brokenhearted at the news from Mary. He felt lied to. He felt he'd been fooled. He felt he'd been betrayed. What's he going to tell his friends? My fiancée is pregnant. I know we're not married and it's not mine. And God is the father. No, he's deeply hurt. He's deeply disappointed. He wants to be over with this. He wants to break off this relationship. He wants to be out of this relationship, but he's a godly man. He's an honorable man. And it tells us this in verse 19 of Matthew 1 that Henry read for us. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He wanted to be done with it and done with Mary. The shame of it. He thought he knew her. He thought he could trust her. But now it was over. He was hurt and he was broken hearted. Maybe this Christmas time, you're like Joseph. You feel hurt and broken hearted for another different, completely different reason in your life. You're in bits. You're in pieces. The dream shattered. The balloons burst. You're deeply disappointed. Your dreams have been shattered. There's Joseph. His wasn't a positive reaction, was it, to the news of the birth of Christ? But what about the shepherds? 
keeping watch over their flock at night, the glory of the Lord. It tells us in verse 8, there in the same country, shepherds were living out in the fields of Luke chapter 2, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. These guys were scared to death. Absolutely shaking, white with fear. They were running. I'm sure some of them were running to get away from this. The glory of the Lord, they panicked. They were filled with fear. Breaking out in a cold sweat, petrified with anxiety at this heavenly presence that was before them. This glorious light that was in front of them. It's the glory of the Lord shone around them. When the glory of the Lord shines around people, they, what happens to them? They recognize their own lack of glory, their own darkness, their own sin. And that's how the shepherds felt. The holiness of God showed up their own unholiness. The presence of God. They felt unclean. They were petrified and scared before him. Maybe you've come to realize one day that you will face God as we all have to face God. God is just and God is holy. Maybe you're scared to meet with God. With the sins in your heart and in your conscience. There's fear. Don't like to hear the Bible read. It's so clean and pure. And when it's read, I feel convicted by it. It shows up my guilt that I don't have peace with God. The shepherds were greatly afraid. What about the wise men? What about the wise men in Matthew chapter 2? Well, they traveled from the east to Jerusalem. They were likely to be royal advisors, educated, skilled, scientists, mathematicians, astronomers. Come from either modern-day Iraq, Babylon, or modern-day Iran, Persia, the Magi. They served the royal courts. They were very wealthy. They were at the other end of the spectrum of society than the shepherds, who were humble outcasts. They weren't allowed in the synagogue. Their word wasn't legitimate in court. But these were the opposite end. But these were Gentiles. These were non-Jews. God, in some way, told them to follow the star to lead them to the birthplace of the Christ child. How long did it take for the wise men to get to Jerusalem? Well, if you went straight across the desert from one of those places, from Babylon or from, the, um, from, from Persia, from Iran, it's 1,300 kilometers. And that's across the desert, but you couldn't go that way. You had to go round. It's about 2,000 kilometers, 1,400 miles, 1,400 miles. It would have taken months to get there. The Bible tells us that when Ezra went from Babylon to Jerusalem, it took four months to get there. They had children with them, so that may have slowed them down. A little bit. That's the same time, if you think about when a number of us went on the church holiday, right, to today, still traveling on the back of a camel through the desert in the heat, 
in the sweat, as it were, of the day. Exhausting work. You're travelling. Fatigue. In a foreign country, risk of bandits. How do you think they felt when they reached their destination? They would have been exhausted, wouldn't they? Absolutely shattered. Even if they had the luxuries and the care of other people for them, months of traveling would drain even the most, as it were, the people with the most stamina. And surely they would have wondered, is this really worth the travel? Is it really worth the journey? Shall we not turn back? What's the guarantee at the end of it? What did they really understand on their journey? Maybe this Christmas time you you feel like the wise men. You, You may be highly educated. You may have all sorts of qualifications and intelligence. And yet there's still a God-shaped hole in your heart. You know there's something missing. You know that all of the learning, that all of the reading, that all of your, as it were, your background and your life does not fill the hole in your heart because it's a God-shaped blank that can only be filled by God himself. And these magi knew that. That is why they were on the journey. They knew it What they had, with all their wealth and stature and standing and society, it wasn't enough for them. Didn't satisfy their souls. So this Christmas, you may feel like one of these different people, different socioeconomic backgrounds, but confused or worried, hurt or brokenhearted, fearful, scared, anxious, or just exhausted. But the church congregation this size has got to be people experiencing these different emotions and feelings at this time. But something changed for all four people. All four categories of these characters. When they change their focus... It changed their feelings. When they put their faith in the news of Jesus Christ, it changed their heart. It changed their perspective. It changed their outlook. It changed their whole view of the situation. When their focus changed, their feelings changed. So let's secondly look at the focus on Christ. To start with, Mary was only focused on her unplanned pregnancy. She focused on the difficult position she was in, the gossip, the rumors, what people would say and do, the rejection by her fiancé. She was focused on the bad news. But then she listens to the words of the angel, Gabriel, in Luke chapter 1. And she turns her focus... To the promises of God. She starts to believe what the angel says. 
How did things change for Mary? Well, when she focused on the words of the angel in Luke one thirty one, it says this, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, he shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. She sees her story as part of a much bigger story. But God sending his son into the world, this child that will be born, is, is where the descendant of David, he will rule. He will be a king. And her eyes are opened to seeing her place, a small place as it were, in a bigger story. And what God is doing in all of history. To be the mother of the Christ child, the angel directs her eyes from off herself and onto what God is doing in her life, into his promises. God's promises of the Christ child, the one who will sit on the throne, the fulfillment of the promises of God, the Messiah who was to come. When Mary looks up, when she focuses on these things, her feelings change. Luke verse, chapter 1, verse 38, Mary says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your words. And the angel departed. She submitted to God. The song recorded in Luke 1 is not about her, about the bad news, about her consequences as it were, the negative things that she's going to experience as being the servant of the Lord. But her heart is focused on God as Savior. She's rejoicing in him. She's glorying in him. She's saying, from henceforth all will call me blessed. What a wonderful thing. She's bursting open with praise to God. Because she's changed her focus from her circumstances, as it were, the, the, the bad news. She's focused on Christ. On the king, what God is doing in and through her for his glory. Maybe you have Christ as your king this morning. Maybe he is your savior this afternoon, sorry. Maybe he is your savior. But somehow maybe you feel that some, some news has come that's out of, as it were, knocked you for six and it's troubled you and it's shaken you. Let me encourage you to turn your eyes again upon the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the King, the one who will rule on the throne of his father, David, the one who is the sovereign king of your life, the one who is in control of your life, the one who you have submitted to. Fix your eyes on him again and find peace and submission like Mary. Let it be to me according to your word. He has a reason. He has a purpose. I don't understand it, but it's in his hands. I'm in his hands. If, you, if you're new to these things, let me say to you that Christ is the ruler. He is the king of a kingdom. And your life is not a collection of random chants of chaos. Christ is the one who is the king of kings. And Lord of Lords. Questions of have you submitted to his lordship? Have you submitted to his kingly reign of your life? 
He came into this world. He was born the king of the Jews, the king of a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. He will rule over his father's people. What about Joseph? What did Joseph do? Well, everything changed for Joseph, didn't it? When he changed his focus as well. If you, if you look there in chapter, chapter 1 of Mark, what does it say there? While he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, Mary for your wife. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, the dream directed his focus to the Savior for sin. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was promised. The one who fulfills all the promises of the Old Testament. They're all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Every lamb that was slain, all the sacrifices and ceremonial law, which signpost to Christ's coming, it's all fulfilled in Jesus, Savior. His eyes are upon Christ now. He realizes the privilege that he has to nurture, to pray with, to teach God's word to this child who is the son of God. He turns from his hurt and his brokenheartedness and he looks to the Christ, Jesus, the Savior. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. You may say, I'm not a sinner. Sinner is a category that every human being falls into. No matter how nice we can be, a sinner is something that we are. It defines us, the Bible says, because we sin in our hearts, in our minds, in our attitudes, in the way that we speak, in the fact that we've not allowed Christ to be the king of our lives. But Mary was to bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. For he will save. He can save you from your sins. He can cleanse you from your sins. He can give you peace with God through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross to atone for your sin, to satisfy God's anger against sin. Your sin and my sin, he can forgive and cleanse us, give us peace with God. His name is Jesus. And Joseph was gripped by this name, Jesus. He saw it's part of this greater plan than the plan that he had for himself and to Mary. And how does he respond? Verse 22, it says, All this was fulfilled, which will be spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, this child that Mary is having. This child is God with us. Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him Mary, his wife, and did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. He was obedient. He served. He played his part because his focus was on the Christ child that God had given to Mary. Well, what about the shepherds that we read of in chapter 2? Everything changed when they looked up. 
everything changed when they listened to the angels as well. They, when they changed their focus from themselves and their fears and their anxiety and being scared at this time, when they focused on the words of the angel, there is born to you this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Yes, go and find him. Yes, go and seek him, shepherds. Go and look in Bethlehem. See that cradle. See that Christ child. He's a saviour for all people. He's in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why did the angels give that detail to the shepherds? The shepherds, who were nobodies and had nothing, they were the lowest of the low, they were despised, they were outcasts. They would know that this saviour was like them. He had humble beginnings. He was not in a palace. He was not rich in that sense. And they focused on the news, on the baby that was born, and they took themselves off to find the Christ child. And when they came in and they saw him and they came and they worshipped him, they, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they'd seen him, they made widely known the saying that was told them concerning this child. These guys were evangelists. These guys were influencers, weren't they? Telling everybody, knocking on doors, telling them about Christ. Because they were so full, because their focus had changed from themselves to Christ, to the Saviour, for them, for all people. The point is that he wasn't just a Saviour for those in the synagogue, or the Saviour of the rich, and the influential, or the elite, or the Pharisees, or the Sadducees. He was their Saviour as well, the Saviour of the outcasts, the Saviour of the ones that is despised. Christ is the one who's despised and rejected by men. He knows what it's like to be despised. He knows what it's like to be ostracized. He's a savior for those of no status, for nobodies. He's interested in them too. He loves them too. He wants them to come and see him too. He sends the angels to those as well. So they will be focused on him. Let me again point you to Jesus Christ, point you to this baby that was born for all people. He's for you as well. For people inside the church, for people outside the church. He's a savior for everyone who will come to him and believe in him and receive his forgiveness and know the joy of reconciliation and peace with God that the angels sung about. Peace on earth, peace, reconciliation with God. God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Like the shepherds, are you focused? Have you believed in him? Do you know the joy of salvation, of sins forgiven, that these men knew, which was why they went to tell everybody that this Christ child had been born? Finally, as we close, let's just think, very briefly about the wise men. Well, they weren't, I'm sure they were pretty tired. He didn't tell us explicitly in the passage, but just knowing people and knowing what they'd been through, I'm sure they were pretty shattered. 
But he tells us in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy in Matthew 2 verse 10. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures. They presented to gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. When they knew they were coming to the end, when their focus was realized, when their faith was realized in that reality of the baby in front of them, though I am sure they were exhausted, it says that they were filled with joy. Filled with joy. And they opened their treasure chests before him. They opened their treasures they presented to him. Gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is who they come to see. This is whom they come to worship. This is their focus now. This is the one they believed in now. How do you know when you have a Christ-focused Christmas? How do you react? How do you act? Well, we act like these men, these wise men. We're humbled in his presence. That's what these men were like. They were humble before him. They worshipped him. Worship means expressing your love for God, being in awe of him. All sense of ego is gone. Status is forgotten. You are humble before him and you give your praise, your worship. You give your heart. You open the treasure chest of your heart and you give of your best to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what these men did. And you've come to make Jesus Christ your focus. Everything that is precious to you is laid at his feet. Your life is laid at his feet. You are his and he is yours. You won't give out of duty in terms of giving your life to Christ. You won't give out of guilt. You won't give out of peer pressure. You'll give out of gratitude. You'll get out, get out of love. You'll get out, give out of devotion. These are the things that Jesus Christ does in our lives when we come to him and make him our focus. So this Christmas time, there's so many things going on. We can have all kinds of feelings and all kinds of things all around us and responsibilities and so on. But let's not forget to focus on the Lord Jesus. He's the king. As Mary saw, he's the saviour, as Joseph saw. He's a saviour for all people that the shepherds could see. And he's worthy of the best that we have of all of our lives, given to him, devoted to him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Turn from your feelings and turn and focus on the Lord Jesus, that we might have a blessed Christ focused Christmas for his glory. Amen. Amen.